0: Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits. At the big ball, East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing. boys. Perea lays it up, 1.4. Perea hits it, the pass is caught, ready for the game winner. Wide left, Bucks win. is spotting for three, the place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible German Jones, game winner, got
1: it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another They got game. him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, one Stinson. 25
0: yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German
1: and the Bucs have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say off to my new friend. What's your name, man? I told you, it somebody. doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome, you have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's
2: Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network.
0: Oh, I know what you're thinking. Sandos and the Sidekick got canceled. Well, it did for a little bit, and after legal got involved, we're back up and running with our brand-new studio on the second floor of the mini-dome on the west side. So, pretty excited. New digs, new studio, and a new season, 2019. And we got a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up. Matter of fact, I don't even know if we can do a full catch-up from what we've missed so far in the ETSU men's and women's basketball schedules. But Mike Gallagher, my sidekick, Jay Santos with you. We're going to try to do the best we can, and I think we start with a here-and-now uh, which was the game last night because ETSU women's basketball team certainly had a rough start to the non-conference schedule, played a tough Chattanooga team and uh, nip and tuck game going there, but picked up their first conference win of the season and beat a Furman Paladin team, Mike, which had gone 2-0 early on in conference play.
2: Yeah, Jay, and with women's basketball, unfortunately it's kind of the same old, same old at the end of that non-conference season. We don't have to catch you up much because really what we talked about on our last couple of shows with women's basketball in beginning mid-December continued and it was a struggle for Brittany Azell and her young ladies and she'll be the first to tell you that I could see the relief on her face last night when they picked up that conference victory against Furman who as you said were 2-0 and but over those four or so weeks that we were uh, in a legal battle uh, with Sandos in the sidekick that we eventually won because that's just how it goes here uh, we saw t- the team fall behind early uh, we saw them have troubles Um, coming back in games and sustaining that to get over that last little hump to get victories. They were close in every game though and this has been coming. I think last night we saw what this team can be. The potential has been there. They only had seven turnovers last night. They hit their free throws. Now Furman went something like 22 for 25 at the line which was uh, very impressive without a doubt. So the fact that DTS didn't shoot with the best free throw shooting team in the conference, it's no indictment on their free throw shooting really one of the best free throw shooting nights they've had uh, especially late after going 10 for their first 17 really found a groove and hit the free throws when they needed to they also were good from outside they got contributions kind of from all over the floor and Selena Taborn who is really an unstoppable force down low for many in the conference the one player that could stop her for ETSU was going to be Lexis Spears but she picked up four fouls by the middle of the third quarter so she was sidelined and the Bucks had to turn to Brittany Snowden that's when Selena Taborn kind of got going, and it's no indictment on Snowden because she did her best, but she was giving away three or four inches, and, and I don't want to speculate about how many pounds. But Selena Taborn is a large young lady that, that really can bully you down low. Um, and while Brittany Snowden would front Selena Taborn, and while she'd then try and play, you know, straight up post defense, not a lot worked. But last night was putting a lot of those demons behind ETSU. I think it, it was not falling behind early you get out to a 15-2 to lead yeah Furman comes back but then it's tight the rest of the way it wasn't having to climb the comeback mountain and really we've talked about it before Jay when you have to do that over and over again a lot of teams run out of steam when you get back to even or within three or within six points and for ETSU that's been the case in 14 of their 15 losses and I said it time and time again they were within 10 points with 15 minutes to go and all but three of those it was within uh, I think it was seven points with 11 minutes to go and then um, with eight of them, it's been less than six points with, uh, with six minutes to go or something along those lines. It's, they've been in pretty much every game. They just haven't been able to put a complete performance together. But last night against Furman, uh, it was a phenomenal When The crowd was phenomenal. We'll hear from Brittany Ozzell in a second. But the fact that they were able to get those plays late as well that they hadn't previously, huge.
0: Uh, it was a couple things, and, and she talked about it uh, a, a little bit in the postgame about the, the stats, and if you just look at some stats, you're thinking, well, there's really no way ETSU would, would win the game, and, and you're talking about the the most impressive stat for ETSU was the seven turnovers, but Furman had 16 points off seven turnovers. That's more than two points per turnover. That's almost impossible to do. You look at that number, you look at being out rebounded by 12, you look at the Six more offensive rebounds, the nine more second-chance points. You mentioned the free-throw numbers. ETSU did take more free throws, didn't hit as many. But the one thing I liked was every time Furman made a run and started to take a lead or started to seem like they had some momentum, ETSU every single time had the answer and would get the lead back or tied up quickly. They never really got behind. They led for over 30 minutes of the game. Is was only about four minutes tied, which means Furman led for about five, give or take. But it seemed like every time Furman would go up one, two, three points, all of a sudden ETSU would come storming right back. And I think that's a great sign of their maturity from where they begin the beginning of the season.
2: Yeah, because the shoe's been on the other foot nearly the entire year. Instead of ETSU getting within six or within three and not being able to draw level or getting tied and not being able to take the lead, it was the opposite. ETSU was in the driver's seat most of the night, and not that it was easy, because it was a back-and-forth game, there were a ton of lead changes, but from the outset, scoring 15 of the first 17 points, that was massive, Micah Sheets had a good night, Uh, Raven Dean and Brittany Snowden is what I want to hear from Coach Azelle about, because I saw them in the gym, and I said this in the post game yesterday, I saw them in the gym at about 11 a.m., and they were just shooting free throw, after free throw, after free throw, for a good half hour of 45 minutes, really Until Furman got there to do their shoot-around, they had to exit the gym, obviously. But then ETSU had a shoot-around at 2 o'clock as a team, and then they had the game. So Brittany Snowden, Raven Dean, and then a few others as well, Erica Haynes-Overton, Sedasia Tips, were in the gym three separate times yesterday. This team has wanted to have a result like this. They've kept their heads up. And when Furman clapped back at them with a 16-2 run after ETSU started the game on a 15-2 run, they weren't phased. They didn't go on the back foot. They kept their belief. And, again, for me, the story was Dean and Snowden going 8 for 9 at the line. Those two combined for 49% shooting from the free throw line on the year coming into last night. This is what Coach Zell had to say about Dean and Snowden. I
1: was pleased for them to, to see some success like that, and, and you got to see what I see every day. It's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of care. It's not for lack of trying. Sometimes you just haven't got it yet, and you got to be patient, and you got to continue to do the right things and trust that the process is going to pay off and it's part of our program is
2: it's a process it's a process it's a process and so that was in response to my question about Raven Dean and Brittany Stone and just how putting that work in on your own on top of the shoot around and eight hours before the game just being in the gym plays into success and this is a question I've had all year Jay with free throw shooting is it a team thing is it something that Coach L expects players to do on their own and i've seen you know on the chattanooga trip in practice it is something that they've been working on from what i heard from the december 29th to january 11th break that they had before the chattanooga game the bucks were working on free throws every single practice and then you see players in the gym outside of practice trying to get their minds right get their stroke right at the line and they were shooting 60 percent as a team Going into last night from the free throw line, and they go for you know 19 of 27, 71%. I'm sure it's still not exactly where Coach Zell would like it to be, but keep in mind the leading free throw shooting team in the conference is Furman, and they were at 73% entering last night before going 22 of 25 or whatever it was. So those free throws were big. Snowden and Dean showed that that work in the gym paid off instantly, and Coach Zell had this also to say post game. They're
1: taking a beating from their peers. They're taking a beating. They read newspaper articles, they read social media, you know, it's been hard for them, but it's like Erica said before the game, she said, you know, people only love you when you win, I said, well, if they only love you when you win, then they really don't love you, and I said, we're going to have a lot of people show up for you tonight, and they're going to show you how much they love you, our crowd was phenomenal, they helped us, they were loud, they were engaged, I mean, there were people everywhere, and we were 2 and 15,
2: So, you know that it's been hard on these players, and when you're, you know, 18 to 22 years old, Jay, I'm sure you remember those days, Uh, you know, you heard that kind of chatter, if you weren't doing a good job, you had your doubters, and while I know you were never much of an athlete yourself, uh, I know that you feel that when you hear someone in whatever walk of life saying, look, you know, your broadcasting sucks, or whatever it may be, you know. It happens every day, I'm, I was going to say, I've certainly heard that, too, about myself. So you You've know, told me
0: that twice a day since <laughs> you got here, so it's
2: fine. So you know how it feels, and it's the same type of thing in athletics where you're on a public forum. You're in front of individuals that are going to be judging your every move. That's just kind of the nature of being an athlete or being in a public role, and so – While it has been tough on Erica Haynes, Overton, Raven Dean, Brittany Snowden, everyone on the team, I think it's awesome that they've stayed up and got that victory.
0: It's a lot worse now, and I think everyone understands that. Before, you would read it in a newspaper, and that was about it, right? It was either a newspaper article, maybe radio, um, TV. those, Those are three options, the traditional media. Nowadays... Everyone you know these kids have social medias they stay connected they're always on their phone, so anybody can have a blog or a vlog or uh you know write it for an online whatever, and then they can just you know include them in a tweet or, or just talk about their team and, and you know and so you've got to be able to to separate okay who's saying that what does that mean? what does it have to do with me and you know and we're in a society where you know, you used to be able to go two, three years and build and go, and now everybody would have you done for me lately. So it is much tougher, I think, on young athletes. And it's even gotten horrific for, like, high school athletes. You know, at least college athletes you can go. You know, they've earned a scholarship. They're doing this. It doesn't give everybody the right. I'm not saying that at all. But you at least can understand certain things. A lot of times in, in high school there are people that are just, you know, they're just showing up or – or whatever it is. But I think it's ridiculous to the point it's got. I think Coach Zell made the greatest point ever. If Eric Haynes-Overton really thinks that people only like me when I win, then that, that's a problem, right? Yeah. That, that's a huge issue, and I'm glad she pointed that out. And I'm glad Coach Zell pointed out, look, the, the fans came. They're still coming. They're going to continue to come. ETSU fans love basketball. Men's, women's, they just love hoops. It's a hoop school it always been. Not saying they they don't like, you know, the, the football and volleyball and baseball softballs of the world, but they've always enjoyed basketball and they've always come to those games. And I think they'll continue to come to the games. And as long as the ladies keep working, the fans are gonna show appreciation win or lose. And if I think coach is right, if they would have lost that game, Saturday would have a fine crowd. There, yeah. there wouldn't people that would be mass exodus that's not gonna show up. They're gonna be there. So I was really happy to see Coach's comments about that, and pointed out to to Haynes Overton, who can be as a young person, right? Very influential. And let's be honest, she's emotional. Yes, you, you see that. Where's the emotions yeah. on her sleeve? Part of what makes her up, great. To, that's think. exactly right. It, it gives her the fight. And there's always a little bit of that with athletes, right? I know you're going to hate this, but the New England Patriots are trying to tell everybody. Everyone thinks we stink, right? Everyone they try to find, but even professional athletes, LeBron James does it. You know, all oh. oh, these people are hating on me. They're doing all this. They're yeah. disrespecting me. It's motivation. I, everybody has to find a reason. It, it's not, and it's very easy for people to say, "Well, they're a scholarship. Why do they have to be motivated?" Or they're a professional athlete. Well, I mean, they make money. Whether they go to, you have to do it. You're your professional, whatever business you're in. And I guarantee you, you're not fired up to go to work every single day, right? Right. you got to figure out a way to do it. Sometimes you're just going through the motions to get that. Well, for athletes, it's a different animal, right, because people are cheering for them. They're doing things for them. They want to see them because we we live in a society where if a team wins, right? We all feel better. We all come up with it. it it's great. I do. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously more fun to call a game when you win and when you lose. It doesn't mean mean you're more or less professional with a win or loss. It just means you're excited because we see these kids, as you talked about. You watch two ladies get in the gym, work hard. Nobody else is in the building but you and them, and you got to see what they were able to get the fruits of the bear, right? Because they were able to get the shots to go down. And they won, so you get to see that. So that's why we're excited when they win. It doesn't really matter to, to to us in the in the scheme of the things. You know, it's not our blood, sweat, and tears out there on the floor coaching and playing and doing all that but we like to see because we see what those athletes go through but I was very happy to see the comments from Coach Ezell.
2: Last point for me I thought the depth of ETSU really showed and what they've been waiting for I think for a lot of the year has been people stepping up outside of Erica Haynes-Overton in terms of scoring the basketball and while Haynes-Overton was the only one in the starting lineup that had more than five points that get Alexis Spears four, Sedajah Tips one, Kaya Upton three, Carly Litton, five. I mean, combined, they had 13 points. You go to the bench, though. Micah Sheets, 18. Raven Dean, 12. Brittany Snowden, 13. And those three players are starting quality players, starting caliber players, and have started at some point this year. Ten different Bucks have started. But Sheets, Dean, and Snowden, I think at the beginning of the year, if you said, well, we're going to need efforts outside of Erica Haynes Overton, those would be probably the first three that would come to mind, maybe with Lexus Spears throwing in Carly Litton's come out of nowhere Kaya Upton's just not a pure score right now more of a distributor and does the little things had a great hustle play uh, last night as did Raven Dean and that was a lot of the other parts of the game that turned free TSU's favor as well diving on the floor uh, to get loose balls and, and making sure that you're just giving the extra bit of effort you need to to come out ahead by five instead of behind by five but Sheets, Dean, Snowden uh, those three would be in my mind 2A, 2B, 2C right behind Erica Haynes-Overton. Sadasia Tips is more of a rebounding threat. Lexis Spears, like I said, I mean, she's just not playing extensive minutes, got in foul trouble last night. Jada Craig's more of a distributor. So really, you got the efforts from the four players that you need to have good nights most nights if you're going to be successful. And to have them outscore Furman 47-19 to 19 off the bench, obviously a huge change in the game.
0: I think that, again, you you look at, at everything, bench play. What did we talk about bench play? We, we talked about everybody was hurt. There were injuries. There was a set and other. And you're having people play at a position. You're having people do different things. Now you're starting to get to what the lineup was supposed to look like, people that had practiced all summer doing their jobs and roles that they were going to do. I'll throw another one at you. You know, missing last year for Carly Litton, you know, coming off an injury, it took a while in the game to get kind of going. Now she seems a lot more comfortable. She's able to shoot the basketball a little more, do a little more thing. And that's what happens when you come off an injury, right? It takes a while for you to trust that everything's going to work. But having the team, uh, Ajada Craig back, having some people that can play the positions that they're supposed to play, I think that's going to help this team tremendously down the stretch. And that's why I think me and you would agree – I think I want to speak for you, but I think you'll agree that the team down the stretch is going to look much differently than we saw in the non-conference because – people are doing the jobs they were expected to do at the beginning of the year. I still think it's the top half of the conference team. Totally agree. All right, we got to step aside for a timeout. When we come back on the show, we'll have a preview of tonight's game, ETSU versus VMI. The Keydets coming to town to Freedom Hall right after this timeout. You're from uh, and the SoundCloud on the Buccaneers. Watch that work.
3: It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
2: Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WoW Rate eChecking Accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WoW Rate eChecking Accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC.
1: Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go bucks. Peaceful mornings always ah, turn into crazy days. With all the madness, when's a
3: mom supposed to find time for grocery shopping? Bye, Mom! Fortunately, Food City offers curbside pickup with the same great in-store prices. I can pick up what I want online.
1: And Food City does the shopping for me. Here
3: you go, ma'am. Have a nice day.
1: (sighs) That
2: moment you realize
1: you are the chaos coordinator. Go, Kelly! Mother
3: like no other with Go-Kart Curbside Pickup, only at Food City.
1: Today and every day, the giant.
0: And the sidekick back with you. Segment two, we are back for those of you that were either hoping you wouldn't come back or wasn't sure. Probably many of those. Yeah, both, you know, combined, combination, if you will. But we are back and we're going to preview tonight's men's basketball action. Seven o'clock inside Freedom Hall. It is the VMI Key coming to town. Very easy. For ETSU fans to skip this one, look forward to Saturday, the big matchup versus UNCG. We'll have Mark Zanetto on tomorrow to preview that, but certainly you cannot go into the game thinking you're going to sleep well.
2: Well, here's why I wouldn't skip it. Uh, firstly, it's a conference game, and conference games mean – the most of any regular season contest just to get that very obvious point out there but secondly i think it's a chance for the bucks to have kind of a and i don't want to think i don't want the team to think about it this way but certainly when you look at the statistics you look at the records you look at who vmi is beaten this year which by the way are two division three schools washington college and goucher college USC Upstate, who's in the Big South, and I think if anyone listens to the program continuously, everyone knows my feelings about the Big South. NAIA, Kentucky Christian. Then you got to win over Stetson in the A-Sun, which I'm not very familiar with Stetson's program. I don't believe they are one of the top programs in the A-Sun. Uh, probably their best win, though, quite honestly. And then a North Alabama team also in the A-Sun, but in their first year at Division One. So six wins. They are 0-5 in the league.
0: The outlier was they did – hang with Kentucky a lot longer than Kentucky wanted them to. and They, they hit 19 threes. Wow. 19 as a team. Wow. Bubba Parr himself hit 10, which was a school record, and he had a string of four consecutive games with 30 or more points, but uh, I mean, that was a 92-82 game, and, and Kentucky just never really got it. Sort of like UNCG, it was just right there, and all of a sudden, then Kentucky turned it on. I'm, I'm And I didn't watch that. I did watch the UNCG-Kentucky game. But I'm assuming Kentucky eventually just flipped the switch and said, okay, time, time to go put this one away.
2: I think, ironically, they probably looked their best in losses because it was just a three-point defeat to UNCG. And that even Wofford, you know, they're undefeated in the conference, so you have to give them a little more clout. That was a 14-point loss. So they probably have looked best in those three games, uh, and certainly against the level of competition. You're talking about defeating D3 schools. Yeah, those wins are wins, but you're talking about losing to a school like Kentucky, a program like Kentucky with John Calipari, and then Wofford and UNCG, which are the two favorites, really, if you've looked preseason, where ETSU wasn't getting as much respect. Certainly, I think they've bucked that talk as we've gone along this year. But anyway, point being, uh, VMI, it's a good chance to have a quote-unquote Tune up for Saturday, but also it's a chance for a feel-good night at Freedom Hall. And whenever you have a chance to have one of those, I think you show up. Because, yes, the quote-unquote big game uh, is on Saturday. But you're absolutely right, Jay. If the team shows up, fans aren't into it. There's not as many fans there. There's a chance for this thing to flip. VMI come in and play well like they did against UNCG. Play well like they did against Wofford. Now, both of those games were at home. On the road, they are oh. 0- and eight this year Uh, and as we mentioned 0 and 5 in the conference and in conference play their statistics are drastically worse than they are overall this year and I don't think that should come as a surprise considering some of the non-conference games that they've played but I would show up in droves tonight as I would Saturday.
0: Yeah and I, I think the the easiest thing to do is is to let them hang around for it to be an awkward night, right? right. That, that's the one thing you, you can't do, especially when you're at home. It's one thing you go to, you go on the road to VMI. It's a little bit different atmosphere, and and depending on if the cadets are there and they're screaming at you and going, it's a different atmosphere than when they're not. But it's still you know, on the road. We've seen that before. It's either a, a building where nobody's in there; and it's tough to play in environment wise, or you have some students, uh, the the cadets out there kind of screaming at. You. So it's a little bit better atmosphere, but still, I think the worst thing you can do is sit back and get lulled because VMI is going to play zone on one end and they're going to shoot threes on the other end. They're averaging almost 10 made threes per contest. They've taken 483s so far this season. Now, they do not get to the free-throw line, and that's something, again, because I think they shoot a lot of outside shots. Well, they shoot a shots.
2: very high percentage of the free-throw
0: line. And they do at 75, basically about 75%. Best in the league. Uh, but 290 attempts. You know, right. that's just that's just not a lot. They're not particularly very good rebounding team, but again, they're gonna run the clock. They're gonna try to salt the game. They want the game to be in the sixties, right? ETSU has to get the tempo up. They've gotta not get uh fall in love with just in a zone shooting threes. They gotta be able to get the ball inside where they have an advantage. And and I think rebounding won't won't be that big of an issue for ETSU today, but there are other things that ETSU could be lax in that could Cost him an opportunity to pick up, you know, on paper what should be a very winnable game.
2: You look up the overall numbers of VMI, because I was trying to figure out where exactly the game could turn in VMI's favor, because really, you do have to kind of dig with a matchup like this, and aside from Bubba Parham, who's leading the Southern Conference in scoring overall, now you look at his conference numbers, they are way down, just 14 points per game, that puts him like around number 15 in conference scoring, but overall, he's leading the conference at 20 points per game. Aside from him coming in and playing Game Wrecker, I was looking around at the stats, and VMI is really pretty even with the teams that they've played so far this year in a lot of those stats. But you look at the conference numbers, they're last in league play in scoring. They're allowing 86 points per game. Only Citadel is allowing more. Yes, they lead the league in free throw percentage. As you said, though, they don't get there often. Second to last in the league in field goal percentage. All of these are conference numbers. Keep in mind, second to last in turnover margin and last in assist to turnover ratio. So in conference specifically, it's been atrocious for VMI their level of competition goes down yes they played better and that makes a lot of sense but the key debts they're not and haven't been over the last three years certainly they finished in the bottom two in the SoCon each of those last three years and haven't had more than nine wins they're certainly the underdog coming into tonight and I give ETSU credit because so far this year and you can say what you want about the Mercer game I don't necessarily think of that as ETSU having let Mercer hang around they were down by 10 with 18 minutes to go that's not like a team hanging out that's getting beat by a team at that point but they came back forced overtime and ended up getting the win in overtime but it seemed like maybe with the exception of the Sanford game because there you were up by 17 Sanford made a little bit of a run you couldn't put them away and they forced overtime you still did get that victory but the Bucks have really put their foot down on people's throats this year, and obviously we talked about it a ton um, you know, early on in the season, but even more so since we did our last show when it was a 23-point win against Furman, and then your 26-point win against Chad, 25-point win against Citadel, and, of course, the Dodd-Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational uh, pair of 20-plus-point wins as well. It's been domination, really. There haven't been a lot of close wins aside from the Mercer and the Sanford games. Hanging around just doesn't seem like something ETSU lets teams do this year.
0: I think it's interesting in league play. Bubba Parham's only averaging 14 points per contest. Yep. So he's leading the league overall in scoring, all games combined with 20. Now again, they played three non-division one, so there's opportunity. But but he put up some big numbers on major division one teams. It wasn't he didn't just rack up against D two teams. But I think the league is trying to start to put the clamps on him. And so him uh, just averaging 14 points is certainly going to cost him. I think they need him to get up in that 20-point range for them to have uh, a legitimate shot night in and night out. They've got some guys and pieces back from a year ago. They've got some new faces. Again, a typical military-type school. They're not huge inside, and they never will be just because of some of the standards they've got. Uh, that they have to do during the season. So, uh, you know, rebounding will be key if ETSU can get a lot of second-chance opportunities, which they lead the league in non-conference and in conference play as far as offensive rebounds and second-chance points. So, I think Bubba Parm's is going to need some help. I think it's, you know, sometimes you look at a game and it's easy to say, you know, if you stop, you know, Alonzo or McGee or some of these other guys in the league, but they always have other pieces. It's not always about them. I think it is for VMI. I think if you just kind of slow down Bubba Parham enough, I don't think VMI has enough weapons, uh, honestly, to stay with anybody in the league, let alone ETSU.
2: Yeah, with maybe the one exception being Western Carolina, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I mean, aside from that, though, I would completely agree. I mean, Garrett – uh, Gilkison's the only one averaging in double figures aside from Bubba Parham. Um, he's shooting 48% from the floor and is a bit of a shooter, so you make sure to step out on him. But outside of Parham, Gilkison, um, and at times uh, Jake Stevens, who can also shoot it a bit, you, you don't have a ton of shooters. Yes, it's a good free throw shooting team, but as you said, they play often beyond the arc, so they're not going to go to the rim and draw that contact uh, with pretty much any star player. Bubba Parham is taking about 25% of VMI's shots, and uh, this is the thing to do against VMI. It's to key in on Bubba Parham without the worry that you have other guys that can be it's, – it's unlike a Wofford where if you take Fletcher McGee away, then there's other pieces out there. Uh, We're going to talk with Mark Zedeno tomorrow, and I imagine we'll have some interesting conversations about that Wofford um, and UNCG game where uh, Wofford kind of stormed the premises uh, and crushed the Spartans by 29. But there's the Hoovers, there's the Cam Jacks, there's the guys that can do other things, where with VMI – they are kind of a one-trick pony, and one-trick ponies in this day and age, especially in a top-heavy conference like the Southern Conference is, and that's a compliment to the Southern Conference right now, because it's not top-heavy one or two teams, it's top-heavy four teams. You're just not going to be able to do it with one player. You've seen in the NBA, teams have you know gone to three and four superstars on teams. It's not to that extreme, but when you have teams like ETSU that have three guys inside alone that can dominate and then you've got Wofford that has their superstar but then three or four other guys and then with Furman we've seen you know not only it's not only Rafferty you know they've got Mounts and, and a few others so uh, there's at the top end three or four guys that can do it for every team at the very least and when VMI has got the one it's not a surprise they haven't won on the road this year it's not a surprise that they haven't won in the conference this year the only team in the conference that can say both those things
0: at yeah, one in seven on the road, I mean, and you mentioned the Stetson game was the, their one win, and, and Stetson and the A Sun just not particularly having a good season. I think
2: that's one and seven. Pardon me, yeah, Mercer's the one, yeah, winning right. this team on the road,
0: right? And, and so it, it just it showed it's going to be tough. It's tough for VMI again. I don't know an ETSU's. They're on a win streak. That they've played well, but I don't know that ETSU is to the point where they can just fall out of bed and pick up a win. I mean, they have to compete. They got to do some things. I think they've proven that with a couple other games this year. They, they've got to be able to compete, and they've got to put teams away. They didn't at Sanford. They did Chattanooga. They did. They have some others, but they got. If they get up on BMI, they got to put them away and don't mess around.
2: Let me ask you this: Do you feel like this team or last year's team is more equipped to? put teams away, a team that's more likely to, when they're up, really put the clamps down and make sure it's not close to the end. I seem to remember last year's team letting not play
0: many tight games. Right,
2: and when they did, there were some struggles, especially late in the year. Maybe I'm just remembering late in the year because no, that's how no, it ended. No, no, no,
0: you're exactly right because I think I actually looked at I was talking to Ken Brown, we on the road. I looked that up. Out of the 16 wins, it was something like 13 of them were – ended up being close to double digits or more. Or at some point in time, somebody might have got it under double digits with like a minute to go, but they were double-digit leads with like four minutes to go. Right. And so – and I think that is putting teams away. you're doing things. But in the same token, it's the rare time where they didn't really play any tight games there for a while, and then they struggle in tight games. I think this team's got a pretty good mix because they lost some games early tight. Tight, Now they've started to figure out how to win tight games – Now I think they need to make that step of we don't need to play any tight game if we're winning. You know, as you mentioned, the Mercer game, you know, they really weren't winning. They were battling to come back. You know, I like to see that. But I think if they get, you know, in the second half and they ever get it to double digits, I think they never need to let it get back under double digits and run away with it. And in the same token, there's going to be games because they've still got to go on the road to Furman. Mm -hmm. And I think people have written off Furman way too early. I think you've got to go on the road at UNCG. You know, Chattanooga's always going to lick their chops to try to get a little piece of ETSU. Samford thinks they owe ETSU one, so they're going to be fired. So, you've still got some road games where I think you are going to be a little more nip and tuck. But at home, I think when you get a chance to get up double figures with the home crowded ETSU will give you, I think you've got to be able to put those away. And then on the road, if you, you know, if you're up, put them away. If not, be able to come back. But I think last year's team did a better job of putting people away if they were up ten points with, you know, eight, ten minutes mm-hmm. to go. So I do think that I'm not totally opposed to how it's worked out this year because a, issues picked up the win, so that helps. And I think that might help because, let's be honest, it's all going to be dogfights uh, when you get those neutral site games in Asheville.
2: Kevin Brown made the good point. I think that Mercer game worried some in the fact that you were behind, didn't really play your best game, didn't look succinct and clean like you have in a lot of other games recently, but it's – the semi-obvious point that the great teams, even when you're not at your best, find a way to win. And while the Bucks had a couple chances at the end of regulation to put it away that they couldn't quite get, and um, there were some free throws uh, that you know you, you would have liked to see go down as well. Uh, at the end of the day, the Bucs did get the victory, and when they were not at their best, they put Mercer with another L where ETSU picked up another W. 14 and 16 I think now it is, or is it 15 and 17? I think 14 and 16 and then eight in a row. Um, Up to again, and I heard this the other day, uh, top 10 win streak in the nation. And so uh, I immediately had flashbacks to last year where we were kind of looking at that leaderboard of win streaks and everybody fell off and fell away and lost a game and ETSU kept creeping up until they were the number one team in the nation and win streak was 16. I'm probably being a bit premature, especially it's uncanny because they have won 14 of 16 uh, which you know immediately puts you back to that number 16 from last year where it was 16 in a row and you look at the loss to Wofford and Illinois along the way and certainly the Illinois one was convincing despite the fact that it was an absurd travel day or days to get there and you're eating meals in the airport lobby at 12:30, it goes on and on everyone knows the story and how that went but you fall behind 29 to 5 the bucks just didn't really have a chance in that one for no fault of their own and then the wafer game that was close right up until the last two or three minutes and then the terriers kind of blew it open because of a really two or three possessions that at one point would have made it a four point game i believe but ended up it being like an 11 or 13 point game and then ended up being a 79 62 victory so uh 16 i'm not gonna count my chickens before they hatch because there are some tough games ahead but the Bucks. I mean, they're doing it again. They're having another year under Steve Forbes that you can count as a booming success already. Uh, I'm sure they will look to last year, and those on this team this year will tell the newcomers, hey, we were having this type of season in the 2017-18 year, and look what we did at the end. We had a chance to win the Southern Conference regular season title. We lost four of our last five, and we let it slip away. So I think lessons in the past will come back this year in a positive and we're not quite to that point yet. But even as we go along the way here in the middle of conference play, as they try and build that win streak and keep momentum going, uh, lessons from last year I think will help this year.
0: Would you like to know who the mystery guest is up next?
2: Uh, I never tell you. I feel like you're just going to be like, I'm not saying. Are you up for revenge? Is that it? Would you like to know?
0: No. Okay. Just stay tuned. It'll be Good on job. that side. We've got a uh, very spe- – I will say it's basketball-related. So we have a basketball-related mystery guest – We'll have on the other side of this timeout, Sandos and the sidekick, back with you here on this Thursday. You can download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes, our mystery guest segment up after this timeout from the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in northeast Tennessee and southwest Virginia, together with community. We're transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks!
3: 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson
2: City.
1: McDonald's says they flash freeze their beef. Doesn't sound good to Wendy's, but someone might be into that.
2: Tis I, Old Man Winter. And,
1: uh, him. I'm not a fan of frozen beef either. Uh, don't stereotype me. I prefer fresh beef just like anybody else. I'm only human, uh, ish. Skip the frozen beef from the frozen arches and head to Wendy's. Try a Hot Dave's Double and see how fresh, fresh tastes. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada.
2: Mullican Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mullicans pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson's County locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Doormark, and KM Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, and Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken
1: Flooring.
2: Trump. Trudeau, Trick Daddy, Tram, the Insult Comic Dog,
1: Who's next? I don't know what's going happen? <laughs> the Secrets. Sandos and the Sidekick.
0: Well, if you're a fan of the podcast, you heard the music, you know it's time for our mystery guest. And this week, uh, we thought it would be good to talk a little college mid-major basketball because the NCAA tournament just around the corner. And we're so pleased to be joined by Joe Dwyer with CollegeInsider.com. He's the president. Joe, you started this thing uh, a while ago, and it, it took a while, I think, to take off. But now, mid-majors uh, such as ETSU, the Southern Conference, and around have embraced not just the website, but the top 25 in the postseason tournament.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, I think that the, one of the things that the mid-major top 25 has done, Jay, is it shined a light on these teams that um, normally they wouldn't get unless they got to and then won a game in the NCAA tournament. We do such a bad job as media, I think, uh, judging people on their successes in March. And teams have had, there are plenty of teams have had a lot of success throughout the course of the season. And then you get upset in your tournament, and it's like uh, that tree that fell in the woods. Uh, if nobody's around, they they didn't make a noise, and I, I think that that's helped to you know bring attention to a lot of programs that have had great regular seasons. And if they get in the tournament like Loyola did last year and make the run to the Final Four, great. But shoot, if Loyola had been upset in the Missouri Valley Conference, I don't think anybody'd be talking much about them without a big major top
0: twenty-five. So I think it's been important in that aspect. Well, and I think certainly you've seen teams that have been able to play in that, that postseason tournament one year and get some, uh, you know, just those extra games or whatever it may be underneath their belt, maybe just that that sort of, uh, you know, win and you advance, uh, don't and, you you know, your season's done, maybe getting a little bit into that variety, and then they get a chance to go to the tournament the next year, so it's valuable experience as well.
1: Well, it's funny, I remember about two or three weeks after they're running the NCAA tournament, uh, if they're upset of Virginia, Ryan Odom at UNBC had called and uh, just talked at length uh, about, their, their success in the tournament was due in large part to not just their win at Vermont in the American East Tournament, the championship game, but their run in the CIT the year before. And they gotten to the semifinals. And You know, those are things that every team's different. Some teams, it's not as important as others. Um, but in his case, he felt like it was really important for a team that had never understood any type of success at all. They had had some bad, bad years before he arrived and he felt like it played a major role in, the, in their winning at Vermont in the American East Championship game, um, and then obviously beating the number one overall seed in
0: Virginia in the tournament. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the mid-major top 25, and, and we'll talk about Southern Conference in a second. A lot of our fans have, have kind of asked uh, you know, how, how it uh, came about, how the voters go, how you treated the point system, everything. Just break down sort of how the top 25, as far as your website goes, how it's ran. Well, I
1: think the voting, the, the idea that we have a voting panel is now in its 20th season. And I think the voters, uh, which are made up of mid-major coaches, matter of fact, Mike Young from Wofford is one of the voters. He's the chairman of the mid-major top 25 this season. Uh, and I think that that's been, it's been huge because it gives credibility. This isn't a bunch of clowns sitting around throwing darts at a wall, coming up with their favorites and putting them into a top 25. These guys take it seriously. And um, again, over 20 years, I think it's built up a lot of momentum to where uh, I think it's fair to say it's become the measuring stick. And I think that's kind of cool, something that started off as an afterthought. One of our guys here thought, hey, this would be a good idea to just include as a, you know, a little something extra in his weekly column. And we said, nah, I think there's more to that than just doing a top 10. And 20 years later, it's a top 25, and it's recognized nationally. So that's been pretty cool.
0: We're talking with Joe Dwyer, runs collegeinsider.com. He's the president, and uh, as you heard, you know, been around 20 years. You know, again, you've been around 20 years. You follow this uh, probably closer than anybody in the country because you're also trying to put together a postseason tournament, but the Southern Conference more so than, you know, probably since the uh, early 2000s. This has got to be the best run that they've had for teams that legitimately have not just made some noise uh, in non-conference play but certainly a staple in the top 25 right now. Yeah, it's been really neat to see. Now, you started the year,
1: obviously, with Furman and Wofford and Greensboro, I think, uh, got some run initially. And I don't think people really knew outside of your region you know, what to expect at ETSU because there were a lot of new faces, and it took them a little time to kind of find their way. And now, I mean, you've seen the results firsthand. I mean, you're talking four legitimate teams, four teams that are top 15 mid-major programs in college basketball. And I'll tell you what. Uh, It's easy to look at the top. But look at some of the other teams in your league. I mean, I think Sanford's better than their records indicated. They have some talent. Chattanooga, a team, I don't think, I think they're, I want to say that, that they're the youngest team in college basketball, and along with a team like Western Carolina, a couple teams that have kind of brought up the bottom a little bit recently with some good wins and league play. And, and obviously, you got programs like Mercer's always got to be looked at because Bob Hoffman can coach. So, I think the depth of the league is probably a little bit better than maybe people realize because they're just going to look at the
0: top three or four. Yeah, and I, I think when when you look at it, and it's, it's ebb and flow, right? There's some years that Southern Conference can get three or four teams, or some years it, it'll be a different conference, but uh, so far, you know, top to bottom, I think this is the best Southern Conference I've been a part of, and I've been around the league, uh, I think, since the mid-'90s, give or take. So uh, it's fun to see there. There are other leagues, though, that, that certainly can, can, especially on the top end, that can say they got some good basketball. And one of the neighboring leagues in the league ETSU used to be in was the Ohio Valley, and they've got a couple of teams, especially at the top, that are just kind of wearing people out, and that's Murray State and Belmont. But yeah,
1: and Austin Peay's pretty good also. Uh, that's, a, that's also a good league. I, I, in fairness, uh, I think the OBC, I think the Mid-American Conference is pretty good. Uh, I think you can make a good case for the Sun Belt. But in my opinion, and I don't think I'd get a lot of arguments out of anybody here on my end, I think you got to put the SoCon at the top just because of the the power, the, the top three or four teams, and then the depth. Uh, you know, I was impressed the other day with, uh, you know, Wofford going into Greensboro and then turn around and had to go to VMI. You know, people are going to say, ah, VMI is a one-game. But they're a dangerous team. They can score. And uh, those are type of – are no easy road game. Uh, just that statement always makes me laugh. Oh, this team's not that good. I think that overall from top to bottom it's the best league, the best major league in college
0: basketball without question. Yeah, I think the Atlantic Suns uh, having a little better year. Most people thought they would, too. That's a league, obviously. TSU uh, used to be in. Lipscomb's been there for a while. And then a couple of new faces. Liberty, you know, trying to make that jump to Division One, big boy football kind of left without a conference so they're playing all their other sports in the Atlantic Sun and then um, it doesn't even sound right but NJ, NJIT uh, has joined the league a few years ago so that, that's a league that, that I think a lot of people I saw some preseason conference rankings where they were in the low 20s but they've got uh, some good wins under their belt and a little more competitive than I think most people thought. Yeah, the
1: the, uh, the A-Sun is a league on the rise. I mean, bringing Liberty in, I thought, was a big deal. Uh, they were smart in the fact that they didn't require them to play football within the conference. And uh, so you have, you have NJIT, who's really emerged. They've got a new state-of-the-art facility. Um, I think that the Atlantic Sun is, you know, just, it's a couple notches. I don't want to, you know, fight them too much. It's not at the level of the... Um, Of the SoCom, but it's a pretty good league. And I'll tell you what, Jason, I know this may be surprising people, but if I had to give you what I thought was the second best mid-major league, I'd tell you the Ivy League. Mm, You look at the Ivy League this year, when Harvard's your fourth or fifth best team, that league's good. I know our own Angel Lintel had done a little spot on Dartmouth a few weeks ago, and then they turned around and just beat uh, Harvard over the weekend. Um, That's a pretty good team. I want to say they're around fourth or fifth in in the conference somewhere in there. But that's a really quality lead. You have five guys from that conference. They made the Lou Henson midseason watch list, and this is not your dad's, shoot, it's not even your brother's Ivy League. I mean, in the last 10 years, this league has made big-time strides, and I think it's right there on par with any league mid-major-wise in
0: college basketball now let's talk a little bit about uh for i'm going to speak for etsu fans here okay Uh, joe i'm just going to give this to you because i've had this conversation with many folks around but a lot of fans see top 25 men majors yours especially and they see the number one team and they see gonzaga they see the zags and a lot of people have a problem with gonzaga still being considered a a mid major uh for whatever reason they want to but uh what your justification how do you consider a mid major what what goes into that thought process well, it's
1: done by week, and you can't cherry pick and go and say, "Well, the West Coast Conference is a big major league, but Gonzaga isn't." I mean, this is in a lot of ways. If we were doing the big major top twenty-five at the end of the '80s or the early '90s, the Big West had UNLV, and they were playing in a league that they were far superior than anyone else in terms of resources. And uh, I don't think anybody is going to, you know, question that Gonzaga is a program. Is not a mid-major program, but they're in a mid-major league, and we've had, we've engaged in conversations with the West Coast Conference. They embrace being part of the mid-major top twenty-five. I mean, shoot, Randy Bennett from St. Mary's, who's had some pretty successful runs of his own, been a good good voter for ten plus years the mid-major top 25, and, and, uh, you know, as a league, they embrace it. They understand that we cannot cherry-pick and remove Gonzaga from the list. And I I harken back, um, Bob Thomason, who used to be the head coach of Pacific, had said to me about 15 years ago that he'd rather be number two, and this is when they were on their... Had a couple really good runs with all Aloukandi and some of those other guys in the early 2000s, and he told me he said he'd rather be number two in a poll that included Gonzaga than be number one in a poll without him. And I think that kind of puts puts a ball on it. All mid majors aspire to have the success that Gonzaga has had, um, and being number one—by not being number one in anything—I don't think is a bad thing. We don't. When I, uh, I understand that Gonzaga doesn't want to embrace that, you know, marker. But you can't cherry pick because then next year, what do we say? Okay, well, Buffalo, because they beat Arizona last year and had it really good. Well, rest of the Mid-America Conference is a number one, or excuse me, is a, is a mid-major, but they're not. Then you get into the Southern Conference, you can do the same thing if Lawford or ETSU goes on a run. So it's a conference affiliation, bottom line, and... Uh, Jay, we get an email once, at least once, maybe twice a week from somebody that um, has some choice words for us, so we don't know what we're doing, but uh, it's the way it is. It's been this way for 20 years, and um, we don't see any way that we're going to, unless Gonzaga leaves for another league, which I don't think is going to happen, it's going to stay
0: the same. Well, I just want to commend you on you just get one or two a week, and you're covering uh, the nation. I get seven or eight a day, so I just want to say you're doing some good work here, Joe, not to get hammered more than that. (laughs) <laughs> well hey joe we appreciate the time i uh, appreciate it, as always hopefully maybe when um you know if it's not too hectic as it gets close to conference tournament time or so maybe i can check back in with you or, or maybe even better once uh once the college insider tournament's kind of up and running i can check in with you jason that sounds good i appreciate you guys man all right joe appreciate it. that's joe dwyer collegeinsider.com. we'll step aside for a timeout more Santos and sidekick after this timeout from van wagner on the buccaneers sports network
1: Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets, high-performance gas ranges,
3: or low-decibel dishwashers.
2: They're really
1: quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever.
0: Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since
3: 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game, The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. FirstBank.com, member
1: FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes.
2: Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. My fun,
1: I smell the newest Jumbo One with a chance at a $4 million top prize. It's so big, you can play both sides. Jumbo Bucks 300X. Good news, you don't need magic beans to meet this giant. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, giant-sized fun. Please play responsibly. 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, quarters. 4 quarters. 4 quarters. 4, 4, 4, 4 quarters.
0: I didn't think you could make this work. I
2: was so wrong. I think you love it now.
0: Oh, I didn't think you'd make it work. It, I sounds, be ridiculous.
2: it sounds ridiculous, but I'm going to stand by it until the day that I die. That is even better than the original, I think, uh, because of the outrageousness and absurdity of how stupid it sounds. Stupid and outrageous is kind of my thing. That's I, what Sandos and the Psychic oh no, is all about.
0: That's 1,000% what it's all about. But I, I would like to uh, commend you on making that work that I didn't think you would. Thank you.
3: I like the... Uh... The oh my tradition. goodness wait a minute Trey Adams yeah, I'm back baby I'm
0: back I didn't even hear him. he just
2: snuck in there after, right. yeah, after job, a
0: long buddy. long break so it, it's
2: time. It's time for four quarters. It's good to see that you're still alive. I worried there when you didn't show up until your actual segment. We just had to do the podcast all by ourselves until this exact segment. And I was like, well, you know, either Trey didn't get the memo or uh, this or, Christmas or, was his last.
0: Or, or he's still in legal action
3: like the rest of us. I, I finally got out of it yesterday, so that's why I was late today. But uh, anyways, it's time. So The
2: first quarter.
3: Quarter number one. Tonight, ETSU VMI. Of course, everybody knows how good Jerome is on the boards, but uh, I want to propose a question to you guys. Who scores more, Bubba Parham points or Jerome Rodriguez with rebounds?
0: Oof. Now, he's now. I'll say I like that because in conference play, Parham's only averaging 14. I don't know what R- Romy's got to be. I think he's higher than 12 in conference play. I don't even know if I can look that up fast enough. Maybe I can defer. I'll look it up. Okay. Okay. I would like to know what Romy's average in in-league play is 12.2. Got there first. So, 12.2 compared to – That's
2: 12.0 on the Southern Conference website, but okay. All right. All right. Mm,
0: Still 12. 14 to 12. Fair enough. We'll call it 12.1. I refuse to believe I'm wrong, but I will take your word for it. (laughs) No. Uh, I'm probably looking at all stats as opposed to conference. But 12 to 14, i tell you what – I'm going to go Rodriguez. That's probably an upset because it's easier to get to 14 points than the 14 rebounds, but I'm going to go Rodriguez.
2: Ah, uh, Boy. Well, firstly, uh, to your proposal of a question, I say no, but if you're posing me a question, I'll say uh, Bubba Parham uh, will score uh, more points than Jerome Rodriguez has rebounds because 14 for Bubba is low right, uh, Jerome Rodriguez to get to 14 rebounds, while it's not uncommon, it would be more spectacular and more, I think, unlikely for just the average player coming into this game. And you're talking about the best rebounder of the conference and the best scorer in the conference on the overall statistics. So I'm going to say that Bubba Parm, because he's been underperforming, where Jerome Rodriguez has been at his best the whole year, is more likely. It's not even fair, really, because Jerome Rodriguez, you're saying, well, you've been great the whole year. Uh, Bubba Parham has been underperforming so I'm going to take him. Uh, Jeremy Rodriguez is having the better season I think but I-, I believe Bubba Parham will rebound a bit tonight and if he doesn't it's going to be like a 45 point win for the box. The second quarter. So ETSU
3: women finally picking up a win uh, and big five point victory last night over Furman so what is something that they need to do to keep the winning streak going into Saturday's game against uh, top ranked Wofford?
0: That's a great Great question. I resent the
2: fact that you said finally, like it hasn't happened in forever. Uh, that's their third one of the year. You know, they're one and one in the conference, Trey Adams. I'm going to find something wrong with every single qu- down or quarter, whatever this is, that you propose today or pose. I, I,
0: to, to me, and, and it's not really a statistical thing, but, but I think um, – just being able to answer every time they get punched, right? I mean, they had the, – every time Furman punched, ETSU counterpunched, regained the lead, was able to, to hold them at bay and really not let – other than ETSU got on an early run, then Furman got on an early run. But other than that, nobody really had more than like a five, six-point spurt uh, after the, the two opening runs of the game. So, I'm going to say just answer the bell. So, you know, if Wofford's able to put five, six, eight points on the board, ETSU's got to be able to answer that.
2: ETSU has missed 144 free throws this year. Now, you're not going to make every free throw, but if you cut that number in half, you raise your percentage, I don't know, I'd assume it would be about half to 100, I think. That would make probably a lot of sense. Uh, Continue to make your free throws. You're at 71% last night, and free throws made throughout the game add up when you're in a five six seven point game near the end as ETSU has often been last night they were much better at the stripe than they had been the rest of the year uh, In my memory it's been their best performance this season uh, at the charity stripe and so I think the DTSU just needs to continue to hit their free throws and that's the thing if they would have already this year they would have 7 or 8 wins by now they haven't been able to but that work they're putting in the gym as I said earlier in the podcast is paying off they're taking ownership taking responsibility of what they need to improve on outside of just practice alone and that is what it takes to turn around a poor season and I think last night was the beginning of that make your free throws and this conference season is going to go a lot different than the non-conference did. Third quarter all right down or quarter number three
3: who is the best team in college basketball to this point
2: it's a great question uh well who's number one
0: that's michigan but yeah come, uh, on. Uh, come on come uh, on just say it
2: you know you want to say no it.
0: i because I, I don't believe it i i still and i hate to say this but and, I, and i've watched a lot more basketball this year and i did this time last year I just think when it gets to tournament time, some of the things that Duke – and I hate saying that, but some of the things Duke can do, I, I just think they're still the best team in college basketball. I think Michigan and Tennessee are having great seasons. I think they certainly can do some things. I think you can't sleep on Kansas and some other ones. But I, I, you know, even Carolina's had some moments this year. But, I, uh, you know, I'd love to say Gonzaga just because we had Joe Dwyer on a little earlier and, you know, still considered a mid-major because of the conference they play in. But I, I just think Duke is.
2: All uh, right, it's Duke. Uh, I'll give you a, a hint here about why Trey Adams asked this question because, shockingly to all of us, he happens to think that it is the University of Tennessee. Go ahead, Trey. Why don't you make your case for Tennessee? I, I just think that
3: overall, they, you know, they're, uh, to me, I've watched them play. I think they're the most complete team in college
2: basketball. The fourth quarter.
3: All right, staying in the tradition of basketball here on four quarters, who's the better basketball player, Mike or Jay?
0: Oh, man. Uh, uh, oh, no? And are we talking about complete dribbling, defense, rebounding, everything? Or are we talking about shooting?
3: We are talking about everything.
0: Oh, well, then, Mike. If we're just talking about shooting, I don't think I can win any game of horse. I can shoot from about anywhere you want. It's the moving part that throws me off.
2: I uh, took some shots on the road with ETSU women's basketball this past weekend, and uh, it's worse than I remember. Yeah, I used to have a jump shot. I used to be able to fill it up from about 30 feet and in. You put me in the parking lot, I'll drain jumpers from about two, three hundred feet away. But uh, oh boy!
0: Well, I have a tradition when I go on the road and it's a new new gym I've never seen before. I go to the top of the key and shoot a three. Uh-huh. And so far this year, I've only had to take one shot in all the new gyms I've been in, and that's the only shots I have put up all season so wow. far. On the road. At home, I've shot once or twice with Stephen May. We have competition. So, here. on the road, you are 100%. On the road, I've not missed That's one. Impressive. In a gym, I've never seen before or been in. That's impressive. So, which is tough always because
2: the backdrop is different. It's new. It's weird. So, you you block out all the elements and boom, you're zoned
0: down. I'm in there and I try to do it right as the guys are walking in, tying their shoes. So, in case that first shot's an air ball, which has happened before. It hasn't this year. But I've gone in there and thrown a few clunkers up. It took about 10 or 12 to get one of them in the hole.
2: Now, I think if we play the Johnson City Honda that has the half-court shooting contest, like you do, like, is it a layup Mm, three-pointer half-court? Just put me at half-court. I think I can compete with pretty much anyone. I love the 47-foot jumper. Anything inside of that, for whatever reason, I have no chance.
0: I actually stand corrected. We didn't get there early enough for me to shoot at Illinois.
2: Uh, I didn't, that's, I, that's I didn't take a shot
0: at Illinois. That's and I may fair. not ever go back after that trip.
2: Well, you gotta want it, you know. I mean yeah. well, you were gonna eat in the airport at twelve thirty AM or start yeah. hooping it to Illinois to make sure that you got that yeah. shot up. And look that's what happened. That. Yeah, that's right. good.
0: Four quarters with the ever popular I think he's popular, Trey yeah. Adams. <laughs> Maybe not. Tomorrow we'll talk about VMI. We'll recap that we'll have Mark Zanetto breaking down UNCG ETSU and a women's basketball preview on tomorrow's episode of Sandos and the sidekick.